We're going to the book of Acts, and we're going to read chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, as our opening text today in the King James Version. Acts 12, 1 through 9. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also, uh, Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now, get this picture in your mind. I want you to get this fully in your mind. These were Roman soldiers. These were the highest trained, best soldiers of the world at that time. Hallelujah. He was asleep between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Huh. All he had to do was stand up and the chains dropped off. Mm -hmm. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for your word today. We thank you for this service, for what we felt already. Next, For the next few minutes, Lord, I pray, God, that you will speak to us from your word about how important it is, God, for us to be a praying people. I pray, God, that every need that may be here today will be met and supplied before this day is ended. And all's accomplished, we'll give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. amen and amen. You can be seated. I want to speak to you on a subject titled today, The Power of a Praying Church. The Power of a Praying Church. When you look at the early church, some marvelous and great things occurred when all the members of the church got on one accord and prayed. Amen. For when that church prayed, an earthquake shook the building. When that church prayed, all believers was filled with the Holy Ghost. When that church prayed, I'm talk, when I say when that church, I'm talking about the early church, the original church. When that church prays, they begin to speak boldly in the name of Jesus, even under threat of prison. When that church prayed, 
the church had great power, and great grace was upon every member of the body. In order for the church to be an exhibition of God's power on this earth, we must become a fortress of prayer. Hallelujah. Everything else that we do around here, we can do away with and still survive and probably survive greater except for prayer. Hallelujah. The church today has become a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> it's amazing to me how they keep wanting to evolve and, and change, amen, what church is supposed to be, be about. I mean, there are some churches today, I wonder what Jesus would did. I know what he did when they was buying and selling uh, uh, back in his day. He made a whip, and he, and he drove them out of the temple and turned over the tables, and all the money went scattered everywhere. I wonder what Jesus would do today if he wants to come in and walk in some of our churches that's actually got Starbucks inside. Hello. We done added all kind of stuff. But listen to me. There's only one thing in the whole Bible that God ever called his church. He said, my house is to be a house of prayer. That's what the church is supposed to be. But figure up, from the time we get here at 10 o'clock to the time we leave, add all the things we do and other, other things and compare it to actually how much time is spent in prayer in an average service. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the power of a praying church. Amen. It is the prayer, amen, that awakes the heavens, that moves and changes life and changes circumstances for you and your life. You cannot survive without prayer. The power of God operates through a praying church. Signs and wonders, salvation and healing, praise and adoration all take place within the context of a praying church. Hallelujah. Now, I know this sometimes don't excite us because it hurts the flesh. I know it hurts the flesh. Flesh. After years of having, amen, a monthly prayer meeting, amen, on Monday night, last month we only had three men show up for prayer meeting. Hallelujah. Ain't it amazing when we have a dinner? We can hardly get people in back there. But man, you got all kind of room when it's prayer meeting time. Hello, somebody. Well, glory to God. We don't believe or we don't understand the importance of prayer in our survival as a child of God. You think we're just going to flip and flip and float right on into glory. But with what is coming upon this world and the persecution that's already started, against the church. Folks, we're going to have to go back and somewhere along the line where we have cast aside the importance of prayer and picked that back up. Hallelujah. All the signs. We, told, we, we want signs and wonders. We want salvation and healing. We want praise and adoration. 
But all those things take place within the context of a praying church. We can either pray, believe, and receive, hallelujah, or we can doubt and do without. Hallelujah, somebody. You can either pray, believe, and receive, or you can doubt and do without. Glory to God, I don't know about you, but I'd rather pray and receive, hallelujah. Hallelujah. With, with Brother Travis's testimony a while ago, I think, he, I, I think he'd rather receive. He, he received, hallelujah. Glory to God, amen. God's power operates in and through a praying church. Hallelujah. We've got to focus our minds on prayer. We've got to have that. I read a story not long ago about a church in, uh, in Seoul, Korea. And I found this very uh, uh, interesting to me, so I'm going to share this with you. This church in Seoul, Korea has been marvelously blessed by God. The pastor of that church, which is listed as one of the largest churches in the world, he only teaches two things. He's got the, one of the greatest and largest churches in the world, but he only teaches and preaches on two things. Nothing else. It's constant. Two things. The two things that he, that he teaches on, the first one is prayer, and the second one is witnessing. That is all you will ever hear from the pulpit of that man. Prayer and witnessing, witnessing and prayer. Mine. Every Sunday, listen to this. Every Sunday the house is packed. Now, it's almost 1230. And... Uh, you know, already some folks are, 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 are listening to the preaching a little bit, and then they'll glance at the clock or glance at the watch. But listen to this. Every Sunday in this church in Seoul, Korea, from 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, Lord of mercy, we can't get folks here at 10 o'clock. Their service starts at 6 a.m. every Sunday morning. Guess when they shut down? Midnight. They're there every Sunday morning from 6 a.m. to 12 midnight. With no going home break, no going out to old Charlie's on Sunday afternoon. They have continuous service to meet the needs of all the people. Surely, surely can't mean many people show up at something that strenuous. Well, the, the, the writing says there is standing room only at every service. Huh. Man, I wished I had this problem right here. Often the pastor has to get before the congregation and ask, Pick out some people in the membership, said, I want y'all to stay home next Sunday. 
so other people can come in. The church is growing so much that he has to tell certain groups of people what Sunday they can come and what Sunday they can't come because they all can't get in at the same time. Mind you, 6 a.m. to 12 midnight. <laughs> Lord, Lord. Amen. Now that's, <laughs> that's a powerful testimony to what God can do through a church that prays and witnesses. Remember again, that's the only thing he teaches and preaches on, prayer and witnessing. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, folks, God can fill up any house. However, the problem lies with us and not with God. Hallelujah. The reason why we got so many empty pews here today is not God's problem. It's our problem. Hallelujah. We still flip and flap about, oh, look at this beautiful place God has given us. Why do you think he gave it to us? So we can gloat? Somebody is not praying, and for sure a whole lot more is not witnessing. Woo! Bless the quietness. Hallelujah. The pattern that we find in the early church is that they prayed, and they prayed often. And it's time for the church to have a new emphasis on prayer. It's time for us to enter into the spirit of corporate prayer to rediscover the prayer meeting. Hallelujah. Just as individuals are to pray individually, you got a responsibility as an individual to pray just between you and God, but you also got a responsibility to unite with your brother and sister in corporate prayer because that's where God really moves and the power is won. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for the 120 people, amen, who went to the upper room for 10 long days praying and fasting, we would not be enjoying the benefits of the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. Huh. Corporate prayer, to rediscover the prayer. I mean, just as individuals are to pray, we are to pray as a church body. Of course, the church hasn't been doing that much lately. I'm talking about the church as a whole. We have been gathering, but we haven't been praying. But I want to share with you today the power of a praying church. Amen. Now, I don't know what you think about it, but I'm not satisfied. I'm a long way from being satisfied. I know God, amen, can and wants to do so much more through his body. Hallelujah. But the question is, Am I willing to devote what I need to do to see that accomplished? Hallelujah. Amen. I want to talk to you about three things today, about what a, a praying church is. Number one, a praying church is a revived church. Hallelujah. A praying church is a revived church. An evangelist or a preacher cannot bring revival. 
I don't care how good the evangelist is. I don't care how good the preacher is. Unless the body is praying, revival's not going to happen. I've studied history. I can tell you history of anything. Every revival that has ever happened, it's all started through people praying. Getting on their knees before God. Prayer, after you break the barrier, will ignite the soul with fresh fire. I like it. How many people like fresh fire of the Holy Ghost? I love fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Well, prayer, after you break the barrier, ignites the soul with fresh fire like nothing else can. But the problem is praying long enough and intense enough to break the barrier of prayer. Now, what in the world could I possibly mean about breaking the barrier of prayer? Well, the old saints used to call it praying through. Hallelujah. That's what they called it years ago, praying through. When someone is filled with the Holy Ghost, it's because they pray through. When someone is healed by the power of God, it's because someone prayed through. When a deliverance occurs and chains are broken, it's because someone prayed through. And when this church unites in breakthrough prayer, a revival will break out and your children will get filled with the Holy Ghost and start living for God. Don't you think it's worth some prayer? Mm. Hallelujah. We want revival. We're going to have to have some breakthrough in our prayer. There's a barrier. I told you about it when I started. For some reason, it's a struggle for the flesh to yield itself over to praying. Hallelujah. How many times... How many times? Most of the time, I'm one of them. I'll use myself as an example. I have the hardest time of trying to fall asleep. I mean, it takes me forever. Sister Darlene, she's asleep before her head hits the pillow. Hallelujah. Amen. When I lay down at night, my mind starts racing in a million different directions. Thinking about everything you can think. And on average, on average, I always lay there 45 minutes to an hour before I fall off. That's a good night. But you know what, Sister Kathy? When I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed back here, and I'm going to, I got turned a little light on by the bed, and I got my Bible open, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some reading, and I'm going to do some praying. Ain't it amazing how heavy those eyes get? Huh? Hallelujah. Why is that? Because your flesh don't want you doing it. Your flesh in enmity against God, the Bible says. 
Your flesh don't want you doing anything that's going to decrease his power. See, what did John the Baptist say? He's got to increase, I must decrease. Our flesh don't want to give that authority up. Hallelujah. So, I mean, if you could ever, if you could, if you could ever uh, put it in a pill bottle, prayer and reading the Bible, hallelujah, it, it, it put to shame all these. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've had doctors... I've had doctors prescribe me, uh, and I've had doctors prescribe me stuff. Now you got to be careful. This will make make you drowsy, huh? Hallelujah. Maybe if I take the whole bottle at once, maybe. Hallelujah. But uh, prayer is a different story. A praying church is a revived church. If we want to have revival, we got to pray. I got to move on. Number two, a praying church is a worshiping church. It's a worshiping church. Now, I'm going to get down and talk to you just a little bit about this. There's far too much manufactured stuff in the church today which passes for worship. We are getting farther and farther from the spontaneous flow of the Holy Ghost in the services because we want to manufacture worship instead of letting it flow from the heart freely. I can remember when somebody dancing under the influence of the Holy Ghost was the only kind of dancing you would see in the church. Now we got choreography. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get our, our dance teams and our praise teams to come and practice two or three hours ahead of time and get everything, get that core arc, they all worked up so all the steps are just right. That's manufactured stuff. It is not from the real power of God. Hallelujah. The spirit of worship has to flow. This is a fact. Listen to Pastor close here. This is a fact. If prayer and fasting has not preceded the worship service, there will be no true and meaningful worship in the service. Let me, let me repeat that. If prayer and fasting has not preceded the worship, there will be no true meaningful worship in the service. The quality of a man's worship stems from the quality of his relationship with God through prayer. There's been something on my mind for some time now. And I've heard other people make the com uh, comments. Now, as I said earlier, we have we have seen we have seen some good worship the last two or three Sundays, there was two Sundays in a row I didn't even get a chance uh, to preach. That's, that's great. But if you will be honest with yourself, since we've been in this new facility, it hadn't flowed like it did in the old place. It used to be every service, not once in a blue moon. Sometimes our best services was on Wednesday night. We've had people fill with the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. 
Let me give, I'll give you one example. That's when Joseph was filled with the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night service. It flowed. What is the difference that makes it so much harder? And I have prayed and I've sought God because I know God has placed us here for a reason and a purpose, and I want to see that unfold. And I want to see these pews filled up. I want to, I want to see people going down in that water in its blessed holy name. Don't, uh, don't never ask God to show you something unless you're willing to accept what he tells you. He spoke it to me. We have, we have eased up. We've slacked off in our prayer and in our fast. And that has affected the quality of our worship. Whereas our new ones that is coming, they don't have a clue how it used to be. Hallelujah. In the old building on Sunday night, I talked about here going two Sunday mornings. About In the old building on the Sunday night, years ago, I can, rem- I can remember for about six or seven Sunday nights in a row, nobody ever preached whether it was me time, my time to preach, or it was Paul's time to preach, or Joseph's time, whoever's time. For, for that long, the Holy Ghost fell. This is what God told me. We used to start the first seven days of every month seven days of power. People would sign up to fast and pray. We had a 24-hour, seven-day fast prayer chain. Every month, people would sign up for that. Anybody remember doing that? We had a power prayer team that people signed up, and they committed themselves to doing certain things to gather around and they would be the ones praying for those coming at the altar and those needing. We would begin every year on a 21-day Daniel fast, which set the tone for the whole year. The Lord spoke in my spirit and asked me, Asked him, why does it not flow? The Lord asked me in my spirit, which of these things are y'all still doing? Where is the sign-up sheet for the seven days of power for people to say, I'll fast for a day? Where's all them other things? The Bible says, when Zion travails, sons and daughters shall be born into the kingdom. God is not, let me, we take this grace thing way too far. We take grace as a means for us to have an excuse to not do nothing. But that's not what grace is. You've got responsibilities. The Bible is full of letting us know about the possibilities that we have if we want to see a move of God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
if there's not been sufficient, hey, you could tell when we started worship. You, know, you could know, you knew somebody had been praying. And if prayer and fasting don't precede the worship, the worship is not going to be nowhere near as good as it could be. Hallelujah. It's the truth anyhow. Hallelujah. So a praying church is a worshiping church. Third and finally, and I'm going to close. A praying church is a soul winning church. That's the next thing under prayer. Prayer is the hardest thing to get us to do. Number two, the second thing, the hardest thing to get us to do, amen, is to go out and bring souls in, win souls for the Lord. God has called every man and woman in this place to do that. He's called you to be a soul winner. Well, I can't preach. I, that, I ain't talking about preaching. I'm talking about living your life and being a witness. Some people say, well, I, you know, they want to they cop out and just say, well, I'll live the life before them. No, you got to spend some time. You got to talk to people. You got to invite them to come to the house of God. You got to be active in winning people to the Lord. I bet 85% of people on church pews today has never been responsible for winning one person to Jesus Christ. That you can say they're here in the church because I took the initiative to talk to them about the Lord. Hallelujah. It's something about prayer. When a praying church begins to pray, they, they become soul winning. The heartbeat of the church is evangelism. Without it, the church cannot survive. A church which lags in her prayer life will become complacent and stagnated in regards to making outreach its primary function. That's what we're here for, to reach out, not to stay in the, in, in, inside the four walls. When the church prays, prayer sets the soul on fire for the lost. We got to feel the urgency. We got to feel the urgency. And our lives are so complicated, it's easy for me and it's easy for everybody else that we come to church right now and for, the, for, for a couple hours, two and a half hours, we're focusing on spiritual things. But man, when we get out in the world, our lives, our jobs, and our day-to-day -day hassle that we go through is so doggone complicated that a lot of times it all gets put on the back burner until we get back here next Sunday. But if you've got plenty of time in prayer, it's going to ignite your soul for evangelism. Hallelujah. You're going to look for an opportunity. You meet, you meet somebody new, amen, and you make uh, the customary uh, greetings, everything. Hallelujah. You, there's going to be something burning within you because you've been praying, you've been connected to heaven. Because, the reason why I know this, the heartbeat of God is winning the lost. That's why he died on the cross. And if you get plugged in, amen, to something, Hallelujah. Whatever that something you're plugged in is going to reflect, reflect back on you. Hallelujah. God wants to see people saved more than he wants to see anything else. He
He wants to see people saved more than he wants to see you shouting and running around and talking in tongues and doing all this. The Bible said there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner coming and repents than all the rest. So if I really get plugged into God through prayer, that's going to bleed back into me. Hallelujah. I'm going to want the same things God wants. He said he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. In closing, would you come to the keyboard? The power of a praying church. Last week, your handout about praying for marriage. We'll be finding out by the end of this month how the Supreme Court rules about, and Tennessee is involved because Tennessee is one of the states that's been called in question because we voted in one of our past elections to, to, to keep the sanctity of traditional marriage and there's been a lawsuit against that along with a few other. And whatever them nine supreme judges decide will be the law of the land. It will be the law of the land. They'll be making their decision. This coming Thursday, the National Day of Prayer. I never thought I would live to see the day some of the things that's happened in our, in our nation. Church, you got the power within you to turn things around. I truly believe this. I truly believe this statement. I believe there were times in the past that God was ready to open the seals and let those horses begin to ride and begin the seven years tribulation. But it was postponed because of God's people praying. We are at a very dangerous time in history. And unless the church can become a praying church again, this thing is destined to wind up. Too many things are happening at one time. The lost is dependent upon the church praying. Your children, your grandchildren, your family members who don't know God is dependent upon you praying.
And not only as individuals, but as a church body. I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. And as Sister Debbie plays and sings something that she wants to, I would like to see some people recommit their lives to God and becoming a powerful praying individual for the Lord. Commit yourself to prayer that you say, Lord, you help me. Even though it's hard for me to do it, I want you to help me because I see the importance of prayer. I'd like to see some people make those commitments today. For these things we're talking about of our nation, for our families, revival that's coming up, If, like I said, if we don't pray, there will not be revival. There will not be a revival. As she plays the singing, if somebody wants special prayer for something, we will be glad to pray for you if you just...